Hey, this is Boke Nachbar, and this is the Details Podcast, episode number 11. Andrzej Tomni, Tomic on the other side, the man with the chronic knee problems. Yeah, I'm the man with the chronic knee problems. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both are, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dif- different kind of knee problems, but knee problems. Yeah, we both have knee problems, let's just say that, uh, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I think at some point I was worse than you, but now you're worse than me. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leading at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is why this is why our guest today is going to be perfect for you, and I and I asked him to to do this podcast just for you, Andre. That's how that's how much I like you. Thank you, thank you. Yes, yeah. and we'll talk about that in a second. But but first, uh, in previous episode number ten, we spoke to uh, LA Clippers player JJ Redick. Um, he's also a podcaster, his first M- active NBA player that has his own podcast, which I think is, is very cool. Uh, we talked to him about, uh, the NBA in general, about his career, about, the uh, NBA playoffs. Um, that was, we talked to him just before the playoffs and, uh, about the owner, Steve Ballmer, which, uh, Andrzej, you're a big fan of, or yes. at least you think he's cool. So, I am a Ballmer fan. Exactly. That is, so, that is exactly right. Yeah. Yes, so that was an awesome podcast uh, to listen to. And uh, tonight we're going to talk to Martin Koban, who is uh, uh, a German, I would say, physiotherapist, the guy who really helped me in my career, uh, even though I just met him uh, last year and, and spoke to him you know, through Skype online. But he is a guy that knows everything on a very common knee injury called patellar tendonitis, which is an injury of basketball players, volleyball players, soccer players, runners, cyclists, you know, anybody can get this injury. It's a very nagging injury. Uh, he's an independent researcher. Uh, he's a, a first ever, uh, author of the first ever book on patellar tendonitis. He's the creator of fixkneepain.com, which is the awesome web, website with all the information about this injury. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, you know, uh, does a lot of things. His webpage has, uh, 50,000 monthly readers, uh, and, uh, over 2.5 million people have used his material. Uh, and obviously his readers include professional athletes and the regular people who have knee pain. Uh, so I think this podcast would be basically for anybody who has ever experienced or is experiencing knee problems. I think we're going to touch on a lot of subjects that, that are going to be, uh, that are going to be important for people who like to do sports, which I imagine, uh, is a lot of people who listen to this podcast since uh, we do uh, also a podcast about basketball from time to time. Right, Andre? That is true. <laughs> uh, okay, tell me the admin stuff, Andre. Yeah, so this podcast is obviously on the detailspodcast.com website and we're also in iTunes. So if you rate us there, that'd be awesome because then more people can find the show. And that's pretty much all the admin. Awesome. Um, if we don't have anything more, Martin is ready. You're ready. I'm ready. Let's start this thing. Okay, so we are joined by Martin Kuban. Uh, the author of the first ever book on patellar tendonitis. I think it's one of the, one of the maybe most common injuries, sports injuries, especially in basketball, volleyball, maybe even football, running and so on and so on. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely get, uh, deep into it and discuss it and, and, and try to, try to get to the bottom of how to fight this, this nagging injury, uh, that so many athletes, including myself, had, uh, had problems with. Uh, Martin, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing great. Uh, you know, my season's over, so I'm officially on vacation. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, thank, thanks so much for taking time. I know uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you, uh, your family got a new member. Uh, yeah, on uh, just not even 10 days ago. So everything's okay. a little bit different now. For sure. Yeah. And now you're on a uh, podcast, you know. Yeah. Which is <laughs> the same milestone, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Martin, uh, for, for those people who, who don't know you and don't know your work, uh, can you maybe, uh, you know, in a few sentences, describe yourself and describe, uh, the work you've done so far and, uh, how you got involved in sports and, and, and particularly how you got involved in, uh, in trying to help people, uh, prevent or, or battle the, the injury, the knee injuries, specifically patellar tendonitis. Yeah, definitely. So 
I started playing volleyball at a really early age, probably around six or seven or so. And my brother and I play that with my dad for 15 years, 20 years almost, and we had lots of fun. But when it came time to go to the university, I decided, hey, I want to try something new. So I started playing basketball and never had any injury playing volleyball. But of course, in basketball, you, you have the occasional ankle sprain. Everybody gets that eventually. But after I decided, oh, okay, I want to um, increase my athleticism to be able to dunk, which is like every recreational basketball player's wet dream to be able to dunk. <laughs> <laughs> started doing a heavy squats and other leg exercises and I was able to dunk. Yay. That was amazing. <laughs> the, the part that was not so amazing was that I also started getting knee pain for the first time in my life. And that was the, the start of my journey with patella tendonitis. And I tried a couple of things to get rid of it. I tried stretching. I tried warming up. I tried all the advice that I could find through books written by doctors resting, you name it, nothing helped. So this is really frustrating. Everyone that has patellar knows how frustrating it can be because you have these periods when you're, your pain reduces, you're feeling better, you go back to sports, your pain come back, comes back. So you restart your rehab. And this cycle essentially continues over and over. And so at that point, I decided, hey, you got to do something about this. This was compounded by the fact that in, in 2009, my brother, who was still playing volleyball, he tore his meniscus during volleyball practice, but not actually during the game, but during the warm-up. And this was really shocking to me because I thought, hey, he tears his meniscus during, during the warm-up, not even while playing, but during the warm-up. So this seems to be an injury that I could sustain as well if I keep playing basketball. So I wanted to, first of all, get my own knees back into shape and then hopefully help him get better as well. So that's when I started my, my research journey into this whole issue. Um, oh, go, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And because I saw that none of the books about knee pain were of any help with this issue and none of the websites about patella tendonitis were of any help. I figured, hey, why not put all this stuff online so that other people that are in the same situation like me can use it to get better? And that was when I started my website in 2011, I think. And it just kept on building from there. People kept asking for a book. So I started my work on the first book and then I decided, hey, why not focus on patella tendonitis in a separate book? So that came out in 2013 and it's been going pretty well ever since. And people are really happy with finally getting the help they deserve. Mm -hmm. um, how, how did I mean, what did you, um, you, you ended up focusing mainly on patellar tendonitis, which, which uh, you know, I had throughout my career, I had, uh, I had problems with it. Uh, mostly, uh, I mean, first I started having problems when I was maybe, I don't even remember, like 15, 16, 17. That's, that's a pretty mm. common age, right? When, the, when yeah, the young athletes yeah. first started having problems with the knee. Or uh, Martin, maybe for the beginning, for those people who, who are not sure what are we talking about, can you describe the patellar tendonitis injury and, and, and how it feels when you have this injury? So the patella tendon is the tendon that connects your kneecap to your shin bone. And when you have patella tendonitis, you're going to feel pain in the patella tendon directly under the kneecap. And it's, it's going to start off slow with maybe a little bit of discomfort after you've, you're done playing volleyball or basketball or whatever you play. And at that stage, most people just ignore it because, hey, it's, it's just a little bit of discomfort. You can play through it. It's not going to be a problem. But as you keep playing through it, the injury progresses and... Before you know it, you're going to have pain during the game. Then eventually you're going to have pain before the game, during everyday activities. And that's usually when people realize that this is not going to go away by itself and they need to start doing something about it. Yeah, and, uh, and, and like I was saying, the first time I had this problem was when I was maybe 15, 16, 17, around that age. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty common, correct, for the young, like I said, for the young uh, athletes, whether it's basketball players, volleyball players, even maybe runners or anything. 
to have this problem. Um, you know, for me, it started then, but then, then, it, then, it, then it went fine. And then throughout my my career, it would pop up here and there. You know, maybe when there was maybe during the training camp when there was more more you know more practices and it was it was more stress on the knees. Um, but the biggest problem was last season, uh, as I was ending or playing my, my second season in Barcelona, where, um, it, it, it was there from basically from the beginning of the, of the season. And, uh, I actually started the, the, the year before towards the end of the season before in the playoffs is where I first felt it. But mm. over the summer, I didn't do much over the summer. I thought, I thought I'm just going to rest my knee for, for a couple of weeks and it's going to be fine. But as soon as I stepped back on the basketball court, it was it was hurting again, or maybe even more. So I, I had problems the whole last season with it. Um, could not shake it off, especially, I mean, most probably because I didn't take any time off. It was basically there's no time to take off. Patellar tendonitis is not considered an injury where you can't play. You can play, but it's painful. And then you know, playing for Barcelona, which always expects the best results, and and you as a professional also want to sacrifice and give it all. Um, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't you know even, even try to battle it um but as yeah. the previous season ended um I, I knew i had to do something about it and that's where i found your book and found your um uh you know web page and so on and so on um what is what is when it comes to patellar tendonitis what what in your opinion or your experience is the biggest mistake that people do when they think about it i mean i just described my situation where i just re- thought i was going to rest it but it didn't help what's the what's one of the biggest mistakes people can do I would say one of the biggest mistakes is if you're a good athlete, so say, for example, someone in your conditioning and now you decide, okay, I'm just going to take two or three months off and rest completely. And then you go back to the same level of training that you did before you took the time off. So your muscles are not going to have a problem bouncing back to right before you were, but the tendon, (laughs) the tendon is absolutely going to hate it. And that's, (laughs) <laughs> Usually what you see with, with people is that they take, a, they take a long break. Maybe for some people it's the Christmas break. Most people just don't do much sports during the Christmas time. And then come spring, they decide, hey, I want to lose those extra pounds. I want to get back in shape or I want to join the my company's basketball team or what have you. And then they start playing too quickly, too much. And that's when the tendon gets pissed off. Mm-hmm. And what you mentioned before about having it as a child, that's, or as a teenager, rather, that's because of the growth spurts that you have during that time. So the growth spurts compound the problem because the bones grow faster than the connective tissue can grow. So you'll automatically have more tension on the whole structure and you'll be predisposed to these kinds of overuse injuries. Right, right. So, yeah, so that's why that's such a sensitive sensitive time you know uh I, I see a lot of young players having the same problem and uh but I, I think like maybe it's maybe it's just me but i think like it's easier to shake it off when you're still a teenager than when you are maybe 33 34 35 year old professional player you know oh, that's when, oh definitely definitely yeah and what yeah. you mentioned earlier about just just playing through it that's gonna work for a really long time but eventually the tendon is going to get so degenerated that you're going to approach the very high risk of suffering either a partial tendon tear or either a complete tendon tear. So just mm-hmm. just two weeks ago, I had two professional athletes email me, one from Germany, uh, a young young woman actually, and another professional volleyball player from, I think, Canada. And both had partial tears in their patella tendon after ignoring or let's not say ignoring after playing through their injury for three years and the the woman actually she said yeah when i suffered the tear nobody from my coaching staff knew why it happened because it happened all of a sudden and i told her it didn't happen all of a sudden you had this injury for three years and that's just a normal progression of how this how these things go so it's not not a surprise yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's definitely an injury that maybe, like I said before, it's not an injury. It's not, for example, like a, like a, a a broken bone or a torn tendon. It's it's something that you think you can play through, but it definitely increases and gets worse as the time goes on. Uh, Andre, did you ever like you play basketball and you're also a tall dude? <laughs> did you <laughs> did you ever have this kind of injury? I know I have knee problems now, but which is which is not 
patellar tendonitis. I yeah. guess it's, it's a little bit more severe. But my, knee, my knees are made of glass, basically. I think that, <laughs> <laughs> like that's my problem. Because <laughs> no, like the only thing I ever had is the thing I have right now again, which is basically just busted cartilage. Uh, uh, the okay. yeah. That's the only yeah. thing that happens to me. Like all of my sort of tendons are fine. Never had any problems. Just every once in a while, you know, I... My, one of the knees just gives up, basically. The cartilage gives up. So, yeah. Mm. So, I had mm. like a, a, an operation on my left knee once last year on the right knee, and I think I'm headed for another one this year, which is why I probably stop playing basketball at some point. Andre, Andre <laughs> you're doing too much heavy dunking, man. That's the problem. You know? yeah, stop yeah. dunking with people, man. <laughs> yeah, you got to switch to your old man game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, just my mid range game needs to improve then. Because yeah, I, I my mid mid range shot is just crappy, basically. So, mm. but yeah, no, it's it's weird because I like on the one hand I've been really lucky because I've re seriously like I haven't had any other knee problems except for the cartilage, right? Which is kind of crappy. When my meniscus on the sides is fine, it's a little red. The last time I had it operated, which is weird because when I talk to Boki about his stuff, right? It's it's always weird to me where it's uh, you know it's it's it kind of doesn't sound that bad, I guess. But hearing you talk about it, it's apparently pretty bad if you ignore it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it can get pretty bad if you ignore it. But even if, even if you can still play through it, it's gonna impair your performance at some point, and you're gonna feel the pain. It's gonna be in your head. Your game is going to be different. You're not gonna be as good. So these are all things to be considered. Like take for example uh, Stephen Curry in the last game that everybody was talking about. Is he feeling 100%? Is he not feeling 100%? He doesn't look quite well out there on the court. And these are those things. Those Maybe it's just a little bit of pain, but it throws you off. Yeah, it definitely, definitely throws you off. I mean, I know through my own experience, like uh, when you're not feeling 100%, it's, it's, it is difficult. It's definitely difficult. And uh, I'm not sure if there's any sport out there that you cannot feel 100% and still be at 100%. You know what I mean? Like it's... Yeah, it's definitely definitely. And that's something that, you know, for example, when you have a patellar tendonitis problem and, and when it gets pretty severe, severe and it's, it's painful, uh, you know, maybe people in the stands and people who watch the game don't don't see it, don't know it because it's not like you have it wrapped up or that you need, uh, I don't know, a, a heavy brace. You know, it's just something that mm. is there. And, uh, and 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 you watch the game and you think, like, why is this player like half a step late? Why is he not yeah. jumping as much as yeah. as he used to or or, you know, he did maybe a month ago, like. It's something. It's, it's something. It's, I would call it a very sneaky injury, you know, mm -hmm. where it kind of creeps in slowly and it doesn't go away. Um, Martin, when, when you, you know, we when you wrote the book about the the, the patellar tendonitis and you have your webpage, like wh where do you try to 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 find the information from, and how do you how do you sort out the information? How do you decide which you know which information is good, which you should follow and add to your uh, to your book or to your webpage, and which is maybe. Uh, maybe not good. I'm sure there's a lot of testing done, different universities, different, different doctors, or however they do different testing for different things that work and don't work. Uh, how difficult it is to at the end to find things that work for, for an injury um, and, and kind of sort them out and kind of push aside those things that maybe have been proven to, do, to not do well. So you have a ton of research papers that you can read on PubMed, for example. And you also have a number of industry experts or maybe not industry experts, but subject matter experts that do clinical research on patella tendonitis. For example, you have uh, Dr. Jill Cook or Dr. Peter Maliaris. And these guys, they publish and they do research and both were featured on a, on another podcast, the physio edge podcast. So when you do this research, you obviously start out with the, the basic keyword that you're looking for. And then you just, you look at everything and you connect all the dots. And the step where I take it further than, than most people is I also look at anecdotal evidence. So anecdotal evidence is basically just a fancy term for saying what worked for some people, but that hasn't been researched at a greater scale. So for example, you have supplements you have certain types of exercises so then and this is this is really fuzzy work you, for example you go to amazon and you have the question okay does supplement x epsilon work for patella tendonitis and you look at those supplements and maybe you're going to find certain supplements that have 
hundreds or maybe even thousands of reviews on Amazon. And then you open up those reviews and you look at people's stories. Do people tell the story that it worked for tendonitis, for example? Yes. Good. No. Okay. Or maybe there's no evidence at all. And then you take that in consideration and you go back to your your um, original research source and try to confirm the anecdotal evidence through actual research papers. So this, this is kind of a back and forth. And then, of course, you also have the, the whole movement aspect. So how do people move and what do the, do the joints work properly? And that's where you look at the, the writings of people like Dr. Greg Cook or Dr. Perry Nicholson. And so my work is, I like to think of myself not as the, the guy on the front lines, but I'm more like the Steve Jobs. So I take what someone else has already discovered and confirmed and put it together into something greater, bigger, and better. So for me, my goal was to create an approachable concept of everything that works and put it together so that people don't have to go out and don't have to spend hours and hours digging through research only to discover, okay, I just spent two hours reading about something that doesn't really work. So I wanted to create the, the finished product, and that's, that's basically the process. Yeah, makes sense. Um, you mentioned supplements, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to touch on this, on this a little bit. Um, uh, when it comes to whether it's you know, patellar tendonitis injury or any other injuries, it's, 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 it's very important to, to keep uh, things, that, uh, the, things that can, in, in, I don't know how to say, like in, in, in inflammatory things, you know, off, off, mm. the, off, off your menu. You know, uh, and mm. I'm, just talk, I'm not just talking about supplements. I'm talking about a regular diet or food or that, that you eat. I mean, there are certainly, and we can talk about the supplements and about, uh, you know, inflammatory pills and all that a little bit later. But it's, when it comes to dieting and eating right, um, or maybe which are the things that people should uh, consider to take off their menu when they have such an injury, like, like inflammation injuries, such as patellar tendonitis is, or whether it can be like tennis elbow or can be maybe uh, similar injuries to that. There are certain, there's definitely some things that you definitely want to try to avoid eating when you have these problems to decrease the inflammation. The biggest item on that list are polyunsaturated vegetable oils. So vegetable oils that are rich in omega-6 fatty acids. For example, you have corn oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil. And those are basically all the, the popular cooking oils that you're going to find recommended for cooking. So I recommend in my book and with everyone that I work with that they ditch those oils completely from their kitchen and that they're careful when they eat out to make sure that it's not super fatty uh, or it's not still deep fried in these kinds of dangerous fats. And while there is no research about how much this impacts tendonitis, I'm pretty confident that having a low inflammatory state caused by those omega-6 fatty acids impairs recovery, not just from tendonitis, but also from cartilage problems, which may be relevant for Anche, since he said he has, he's having cartilage problems. Anche is probably drinking oil by gallons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know about the cuisine of your country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. So. <laughs> Um, okay, another thing I thought, uh, Martin, I thought for sure you're going to say the first thing you're going to mention is sugar and sugar, sugary things. Uh, is that something also that we should keep down to minimum when it comes to that? I mean, everybody's going to, of course, say that sugar is not healthy and too much sugar is not healthy, but, you know, especially when it comes to injury, it definitely does not help. Is that not something that you should be taking more, correct? Like I said, it's one of those things where you don't have any evidence to say, okay, if you take it off, it's going to have a huge impact. This is something that Everyone has to experiment with on an individual basis to see how it affects them. For me, the whole sugar thing is such a no-brainer that it didn't even occur to me, to be honest, because I don't think we even have sugar in our household. We might be a bit extreme in that way. But yeah, that's reducing sugar is a given for me. So ditch all the soda, mm -hmm. get rid of all the, the, the sweets that you're eating, not just because of the tendonitis, but also because of the whole overall health that you're damage that you're inflicting to yourself through that yeah no correct i mean absolutely i agree and uh you know if we take it a step further then we come to to the the whole anti-inflammatory painkiller things you know i'm sure people listening to this they 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 know the pills such as voltaren and uh and and, and many similar ones that decrease the pain you know, maybe for for a couple of hours or for a day 
Uh, I'm not going to pretend I'm perfect. I definitely have uh, taken Voltaren before many times, before many games, uh, you know, uh, uh, have done it when I had my, my knee problem. And I, I got to say, it did help for that for that hour maybe or two hours or, or mm. sometimes strangely, I felt better the next day, which was kind of like a delayed effect where the day after the, the, the tough game, my knee felt great because I took the anti-inflammatory. Not during the game, but the next day when you would expect the knee to be a little bit swollen or, or painful, I felt great. I thought I can go running a marathon right there, you know. <laughs> uh, but then the next day, then, 40, then 48 hours later is where I would really hit, when I would hit like a low and that pain would just skyrocket. You know, I guess mm. when that when that anti-inflammatory would would get out of your system. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And what are you know what what should people consider uh, when when they do decide when you know probably a lot of people listening to this are not professional athletes, but still when it comes to people who like to take go go you know go running, who like to get on a bike, who like to uh, you know play basketball just for fun, who like to play tennis, soccer, whatever it is, um, how careful should we be when we think about taking anti-inflammatories or painkillers the situation is obviously going to be different if you're talking about a professional athlete because for a pro athlete he's not gonna or she's not gonna have a choice in a certain given situation they just have to perform and so in that situation you will have to take it if you need it to deliver your performance but for recreational athletes you need to be really careful because non-steroidal anti-inflammatories as well as corticosteroids so cortisone shots to be specific impair soft tissue recovery so this will this means that your body is not as able to adapt to the demands that you place on it and the longer you use it and keep training the more damage you're doing to yourself now anti-inflammatories do have a role in the in the treatment for tendonitis and if you listen to the talks of dr pete Maliaris or dr jill cook which I'd love to put in the show notes, by the way, because this is going to be yeah, really sure. useful for, for no, we'll, any coaches or physical therapists listening. We'll, we'll definitely put notes. You, you know, you can email me notes later and we'll definitely put it in so people can can click and, and read more about it, especially the ones that are interested or have these problems. And uh, I'm yeah. sure they'll be very thankful. That would be tremendously useful for them. Anyways, the consensus is that if you have this reactive stage or if you have a sensitized tendon that's very irritable, that easily reacts to even the smallest, the smallest stimulus by becoming really painful. During that stage, you can use uh, ibuprofen or other non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, although the consensus seems to be that ibuprofen is best for this, to calm the tendon down, to desensitize the tendon, to get rid of the pain. But during that period, you should obviously not continue your regular training. And that's the, the biggest mistake people make. And part of that um, we can blame doctors for because I don't think they warn people properly about the risks of taking ibuprofen and just continuing their regular training. So if you go the anti-inflammatory route, do it in conjunction with treatment by someone who's experienced with patellar or the respective injury that you're having and make sure you focus on healing your injury, and then return to sports. And don't use a Voldoran, Gale, or ibuprofen just as a crutch to allow you to keep playing because that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say any names, but I, I had teammates in my career who would take Voltaren like it was it was candy. And that's not a joke. I mean, I had teammates who would take Voltaren before every single practice, every single day. Mm. Um, and that's definitely an, an overuse. You know, I, I had teammates who were not able to practice if they didn't take Voltaren and were on it basically throughout the duration of the whole season. You know, that's and, uh, crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something that people, uh, maybe don't realize that the fans, you know, people who watch the game don't know how much of that stuff is, is really going on, you know, and uh, I think, oh, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. yeah, I, th I think painkillers are way overused in sports, specifically in basketball. That's where my experience comes from. I see too many teams, physiotherapists, doctors taking the short route when it comes to, to whether it's a little bit of a back pain, whether it's a, it's a, you know, like we said, patellar tendonitis, where it's a bruise, whether it's, mm. you know, a, a groin pulled a little bit, like the, the easy route is, Hey, we got game in three days. You know, here's the, here's the magic pill, you know, and, uh, um, obviously, uh, not, not always people are thinking long term for the player. They just want the yeah. result that weekend. Yeah. And, and that's, 
that's embarrassing and that's uh, that's a really disaster i think and uh, people would not believe how many times that happens at the highest possible level in in basketball so and, um, in your experience how do these guys do once once they're done with their career um a lot of people have a lot of problems uh, obviously <laughs> that was <laughs> uh, the most obvious statement ever <laughs> yeah yeah i think uh uh and and don't get me wrong i'm not blaming the people I'm not only blaming the people who are giving out this, whether it's a pill, whether it's a, it's a, you know, painkiller shot, you know, uh, whatever it is. Uh, they offer you an easy way out, and you, as an athlete, a lot of times want to take that because, like I said, yeah. there's an important game in three days, and you want to feel good, you want to play good because playing good means so many games, so many things besides just winning. But you know, as, yeah, as it's a your professional, whole career, man. it's a career. It's it's, it's yeah. It's people watching you, it's coaches watching you, it's other teams watching you. You want to do well, you, you want to ensure the next contract, you want to have a long career, so on and so on. But in that, by doing that, you also shorten your, your I, would say, I would say, health span, you know. And uh, I obviously see, um, I mean, I see players that are, you know, older than me, maybe five or ten years older than me. Guys that have, I have played with when I was a young player uh, who have been long retired now, who... Many of them have problems, uh, mm. mostly mostly knee and, and and back injuries, back problems, mm. where they either require surgeries now after you know three, four, five, ten years after they have finished playing, or they they are limping, or they are basically unable to play sports now. Which I think for me was always has been a goal, and it's always going to be a goal, and hopefully I can achieve it. Is where when I finish playing professionally, I want to still be able to go out and play. Tennis, go play, go play football, go play whatever I want. That's, yeah, that's something just, that's just very important. Enjoy your for body. Me. Yes, um, and and I, I I absolutely want to avoid being one of those guys who, when they finish their career, they also finish their physical activity, which I think I think is 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 very sad. Um, and and hopefully in the future, as also the players get more educated, uh, they can you know, and also with physiotherapy, you know, getting more advanced and all that. Uh, we can see next generations having less less of a problems. Yeah, um, Martin, when it comes, I, I, I actually had that optimistic thought as well. I, I was thinking, hey, maybe you can find some some magic solution, some magic pill to give people to feel better immediately. But then I was thinking, if such a solution existed, they would just train twice as hard, twice as often, to and, take it to the limit. Take it to the yeah, limit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Any inch of rope that you give is going to be used, so they end up back on square one, anyways. So <laughs> that's 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 a good point. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense because obviously, as an athlete, you always try to take it to the limit and and see see how far you can go with 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 you know putting your body to the maximum. And uh, uh, that's that's why you see that's why you see injuries. I think it's the 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 most imp the most important thing would be finding that balance within reaching the limit, but reaching it as safe as possible. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's that's obviously a, a, a very hard thing to do, mm. um, Martin. When it comes to like uh, the post practice or the post activity thing, is there something like you you, you mentioned warm ups before? And warm ups are very important. And and we can touch on the whole workout for the patellar tendonitis a little bit later. But I just want to talk about four people who are basically just going out there for running for bike. Like I said. Once they finish all that, to avoid all, the, all those inflammatory nagging injuries, once you're fi once you finish with the activity, are, is there some some things that people should always do? Is that a, is that means a long stretch? Does that mean ice your ice your uh, joints? Does that mean put heat on your joints? There's so many different conflicting uh, theories out there. What to do and what's best to do to kind of you know preserve your body and to have it ready the next day. Mm. Yeah, just like you said it, man, there's so much conflicting evidence and advice. So for me, I never found anything that really convinced me. Some people are into the, the ice approach, taking ice cold showers, ice baths, icing joints. And the advice I usually give to the people I work with is find what works for you and then stick with it. So I don't think there is a blanket recommendation that works for everyone in that regard. Okay. Um, yeah, and obviously it also depends probably from what different sports you do. Different sports require exactly. different things. Whether it's where it's a high impact sports like basketball, volleyball, where it's a lot of jumping, or if it's I don't know bike riding, where you basically don't put a lot of stress on your knee directly by jumping and 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 running and all that. Um, you know, in an ideal world, your athletic activities should be such that you don't need that once you're done. What do you mean you don't need that? 
Like don't need to do any, any need, of it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't you don't need to have a a specific routine to to keep your injury free because ideally your athletic activity should be balanced in such a way that you're not overusing certain parts of your body and that you're not creating muscular imbalances and that you're not tearing your meniscus or what have you. Mm-hmm. But in the, the age of early sports specialization, that's probably a pipe dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Andrzej, you ever played on this basketball course where instead of like a, like a um, wooden floor, there's like a, I don't even know how to call it. In Slovenia, we have a lot of, those, we used to have a lot of those jeans where they have like a green mass, you yes, know, like uh, the worst courts ever. Yeah. Uh, yes. Martin, do you know linoleum. what I'm talking about? It's, a, it's you almost mean the, linoleum, the, basically. I don't know. It's like an artificial cement kind of thing. I don't even yeah, know how to call it. it. It's shiny. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's really Outside shiny. or inside? Yeah. Uh, inside, inside. Inside, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's not I mean, like a parquet it. floor. But, you know, it's almost like linoleum, but harder. It's this yeah. weird sort of artificial mess. Just the worst well, thing ever. Yeah. Well, yeah. the reason I'm asking this, because my question was when I mentioned before, like a high impact sport is like, if Martin, you have from your experience, maybe some differences between different um, uh, playing floors, you know, whether you're, you're, you're doing your activity on the, on the grass or you're doing it on the, on the, on the wooden floor or, you know, a mm. concrete, is there some evidence of different things? I mean, different floors um, having a, a more of a, more of a problem for, for knees in this, in this case, because, I was always told from different coaches and different people like, oh, when you go for a run, don't don't go running on the concrete. Like try to avoid concrete, go running on like a like a wooden, I mean, like a um, uh, grass, like a path or like a side of the road. Um, in your experiences, does that matter? Is that something that people should consider or is maybe like a non-issue? Oh, it definitely matters. Okay. Uh, that's that's the area of anecdotal evidence again. So there's no no research on that, but... In my experience, back when I played a lot of basketball, I always preferred the indoor hardwood floors over the outside rubber kind of ground. In Germany, we call it tartan. T-R-A-T-A-N. It's the same word here. So Yeah. 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 And I prefer the, the inside. And for running, definitely a soft surface. It doesn't have to be grass per se. It can also just be a... Like a dirt road or like dirt road. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. so much softer than concrete. Mm-hmm. And that that's not only that's not only probably impacting knees, but also besides ankle, also back. I would imagine. I mean, all the vertebrae and, and the whole thing. I think it's uh, it, it makes it makes a difference. I mean, I felt the difference when I would play basketball outside on concrete or inside. I would felt huge difference even as a younger player. Mm. Uh, and Jay, I don't know. You probably spent a lot of time playing outside. I yeah. would imagine. Yeah, it's uh, less and less, Boki. Just less. Uh, it's all <laughs> for some strange reason. Yeah, for some strange reason. Yeah, no, but honestly, yeah, because the out, yeah outside play is just well. It's when it's three on three, you can get away with more of it, right? But if it's uh, like a five on five on concrete, I just won't bother anymore, honestly. Because <laughs> like, mm. yeah, no, no, Andre, you, need, you, you need to invest in like a Xbox or something and start playing like a 2K, what's now, 2, 2, 2, 2K16 or 2K whatever. 16. Yeah. I have an Xbox. I do not, I, I, I make, I, I do podcasts now. Dude. It's like I don't have time <laughs> for Xbox, basically. <laughs> no, but just kind of to satisfy your hunger for basketball. Oh, for basketball, yeah. I don't know. I'll just yeah. find like a, one of those NBA 96 games and just play that. That was that was epic. Yeah. That was absolutely epic. Maybe the greatest basketball game ever. So Could yeah. be. Could be. I still remember that game. I used to play it like a maniac. Um okay, uh, Martin, if if we if we not touch on the main thing, which is which is how to you know like like it was in my case, you know, how to battle the, the patellar tendonitis and i'm sure you don't want to give out all the quote-unquote secrets because there's so much information in your book and there's so much information online uh, there, are, so there are no secrets <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good that's good to hear but still like uh, like when i was talking to you when i had my problems like you gave me a specific pointers of which exercises to do whether it was stretching whether it was strengthening the quads strengthening the back of the the back of the leg, um, you know, uh, you know, calves, so on, so on. What what I found interesting was that you did, like, for example, with some physical therapists in my past, when when I had the patellar tendonitis, it was all about just get your quads stronger. You have mm-hmm. a completely different approach, I think, where it where you're basically saying get your whole body stronger, not yeah. just your quad. Um, can you yeah. can you talk about this a little bit? The common misconception with knee pain is to think, hey, 
my knee's painful, so there's there's a problem with the knee. But the problem, more often than not, isn't with the knee per se, unless, of course, you have a traumatic injury like an ACL tear when someone bumped into you. But if you're talking overuse injuries, then the problem usually is that you've overloaded certain parts of your knee, certain tissues inside your knee. This can be your patella tendon. This can be the IT band, for example. This can be other tissues. And this overload happened as a result of problems in your ankle, maybe problems in your hip, or maybe muscular problems. So you're looking at the whole legs, the whole kinetic chain as a system that works together to create movement. And as soon as one part of that system doesn't work as it was designed to work, other parts will have to work harder or will be used in ways that are, they weren't intended to be used. And that's when problems start. So not only do you have to help the, the injured tissue recover, but you also have to discover or at least look for what actually caused these tissues to be injured. And that's that's the biggest problem I see with the conventional approach to patellar and many other knee injuries is that people just, they wait out their pain and, until they're feeling better. And okay, if you don't have patellar if you have another injury, knee injury, this can work. But if you're not solving the underlying problem, you know, the problem that actually caused your pain to begin with, you're going to be back to square one as soon as you start training again. And that's the experience that so many people have. Yeah. And, and, and if I can just jump in, like you're basically saying what I'm what I'm thinking, because from my experience with, with in my left knee patellar tendonitis, it's not a coincidence that a few years ago I had a pretty severe ankle injury. Mm. Where which 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 until this day it still limits my ankle movement. So instead mm. of having my full range of movement, let's say it was hundred percent, now it's maybe seventy eighty percent. Yeah, and and I think it's it's once you, once we were discussing that when I had the problems, and and it makes so much sense to to and you can you can you can talk about this a little bit later, but it makes it may, now it makes complete sense when you said that it's and I saw in your book and so on and so on to work on my ankle flexibility which a lot of think people think why I got to work on my ankle flexibility if my knees hurting me but this is just what you were saying like you know it's like a chain reaction correct yeah yeah definitely so you have your ankles and you have your hips and if if the ankles restrict your movement your knee is going to be put in position uh, positions where there's going to be more stress on your knee or if, for example, your hips, your hip flexors are tight, so you have tightness on the front of your hip, then the movement is going to be impaired from the hip down. Or you have weakness in your hip external rotators. And then, so these are the muscles that turn the, the thigh bones, rotate them to the outside. And if you have weakness in those muscles, then maybe when you're running or maybe when you're jumping, your knees don't stay well aligned, but they dynamically cave inwards towards the midline of the body or dynamically rotate inwards. And that's when the, the kneecap slides to the outside and starts rubbing in the groove that it's riding in and the patella tendon is going to pull off axis and all these problems start and eventually you're going to have pain. So that's, that's why you have to look at yeah, the whole kinetic chain and not just mm -hmm. the knee. And and when it comes to workouts, like which which exercises in 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 your opinion work the most? The one the one I I thought it helped me a lot was the incline. How do you say incline the squat? You know where you when you almost when you step like on a like on an inclined bench or inclined uh, I don't even know how to call it. But Andre, yeah, yeah, you can the, imagine like 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 you're doing squats, you know. Andre, yeah. But it, but your feet are not on the floor. They basically your heels are basically like. Oh up yeah, on the I know thing. that exercise. And then you yes. move your hips up, right? Yeah, I don't even know why that works, but it works. Oh yeah, and Martin, know, you can maybe explain why why this works when I don't know if it's called inclined squat, squat or how do you call it? Yeah, what you're talking about are eccentric squats on a slant board. Yes, and the the reasoning behind that was to put people on a slant board because moving that way puts more tension on the patella tendon and it allows you to overload the patella tendon easier. But as actually newer research discovered, is it's not even the most efficient way to recover from patella tendonitis. There's been uh, several, I think, studies done by a researcher named Konsgaard, who discovered, I should say, what he calls HSR, heavy, uh, what was it? Heavy strength training for patella tendonitis or heavy slow resistance training. That's what it's actually called. And 
you're doing the same thing, just using different exercises. So with the slow eccentric squats, you did the bodyweight squats. And with his approach, you're training less often. So you're just training three times per week and you're still using a slow strength-based movement. So he did, I think, Smith machine squats, the leg press and back squats with the with the added modification is that you do them slowly. So you're not moving in, in your regular tempo, but you're actually taking, I think it was three seconds down and three seconds up for the movement. And that's really great for stimulating your, your patellar tendon to, to recover from patellar tendonitis. Um, yeah. And, and is there, um, for different people, is there always the same solution when it comes to workouts or it should be very, uh, I don't know how to say personalized, you know, when it comes like to, to, to patellar tendonitis injury, or is there something like a formula when it comes to workout itself, you know, to the exercises and stretches, is there something that you would recommend for anybody to do, or it should be very personally looked at and personalized and said, okay, for you, this is better for you. This is better. Or people should really do it themselves where they have a bunch of exercises on the list and kind of try to figure out for themselves what works and what doesn't, which I think is a little bit difficult because people at the end of the day do like yeah. somebody else to tell them what to do and kind yeah, of pointing exactly. in the right direction, you know? Well, the, the one thing that everybody can do is the self-massage. So I always recommend people use either a foam roller or if they don't have a foam roller, they can use a simple stick like a curtain pole or a broomstick or somebody even used a, a rolling pin like you use for rolling out dough. And you use that to massage your your thigh muscles and the muscles on the side of your hip. So that's something that everybody can do and should do. But beyond that, it's really highly individual. And for example, the way you use the, the strengthening exercises for the patella tendon really depends on your pain levels. So if, for example, your pain is, is really high and your tendon reacts to even low loads by becoming very irritated, then you should use isometric training like wall sits, for example, where you just sit against the wall with your knees at a little above a 90 degree angle. And that helps calm the tendon down. But, and you keep doing that until the tendon, the pain is no longer going up and down like crazy. So you're looking for pain to be more constant. And once you've approached that pain being more constant, you can use those other exercises that we talked about, like the heavy, slow resistance training type of exercises, or you can use the eccentric squats, or you can use just slow body weight squats where you transition to single leg squat variations. That's really up to the person doing it and the equipment they have available. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully with all the information like we talked about, hopefully people can find solutions because I'm sure there's people out there who have these problems and, uh, uh, I, I know how much I know how much of a difference is when you go to practice or the game pain free and in such a huge difference. So let, let uh, me ask you, what did you do to get back in to get back to where you were? I mean, you, yeah, you, you improved a lot. I did, I did. I actually feel this year. I was I just talking to Anje before we started recording. Like I feel this year compared to last season, I would say, and it's gonna sound maybe crazy good, but I feel ninety to ninety five percent better than I do last year. That's great. Um. And I and I'll 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 tell you two maybe two two reasons. First is because I really took my time in the summer to work on the knee and uh, mm. uh, especially the the pointers you gave me and uh, I was uh, almost obsessed with it, working on it daily. Uh, you know, not just not just strengthening every day, but kind of like you know do more stretches and more rolling one day, the strengthening mm. the next, and so on and so on. Um, stayed off the court for maybe more than a month or more month and a half, and just worked that. Just worked, uh, tried to strengthen the knee. Uh, and then kind of slowly got into it before the season, you know, didn't go right at it for, from the first practice to go full speed. Um, yeah, perfect. That's one thing. And then second thing, I have to be realistic and also say that, okay, this year I'm playing in Sevilla, which has, you know, uh, only one game per week instead of two games per week, like I did for the pretty much the whole my whole my career up until this year. Uh, uh, uh. But but I have to say that we still practice every day and there's still impact on the knee because practices itself are are just as tough sometimes as games you know mm. so all in all i think it was it was huge for me to take the time off uh in the summer and just focus on focus on this and i'm i'm, I'm really thankful for all the tips you gave me and all the advice because uh it's something that i was looking for and i got it from you and uh and it definitely helped that's why i think it's 
uh, it's so whenever I have a chance, I try to talk to other athletes to to give them those tips and uh, yeah, and, and tell them it does work. work. Yeah, yeah, work. definitely. Um, uh, yeah, you you did it. You did it really well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, the, the problem is that once the tendon is sensitized to pain, it can take many, many weeks for the for the pain to go down at first. So if you're in season and your tendon is sensitized, then it's probably going to stay that way during the whole season. Um, but once you're out of the season, you can take time to recover. And that's really what you should do. So don't go on vacation and do absolutely nothing, but at least have some some minimal program that you take along and do like two or three times per week, 15 minutes of some sort of training to keep your body and your knees in shape because you're investing into yourself and that's going to be paid back to you once the new season starts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so this is going to be a stupid question because we're like 50 minutes in almost, but uh, w like what's the pain like when you have this? Like how how okay. can you you know like does the um, whole knee hurt the the bottom of I'll, the knee I'll, like for me well for me it was always under the patella um, and it was it was it was um, for for example when I would start the practice if I if I touched the under patella it wouldn't hurt but as the practice went on let's say halfway through the practice it would get so painful that even if I touched the patella or the the patella um, the tendon under the patella it would be painful so after practice for example i was not able to touch it for at least a couple of hours you know it oh, was very wow. okay. very sore yeah yeah it was very it was very sore and it got to that point gradually it wasn't like this the first day you know like i said it started in playoffs two years ago and it was like um you know a little bit of tendonitis i knew what it is already because i had experience before but then it got worse and worse towards the end of the season took the summer completely off without i mean not the summer off, but like a month month and a half off without strengthening the knee or anything and then went straight into basketball and it came right back like i said before uh back to like 100 pain that it was before you know same and uh and it stayed like this throughout the whole season even though i i did try um plasma shots is that how you say uh martin yeah, like plasma, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. that didn't help but i heard there's also some research about like stem cell thing right now that you can that it would, was supposed to help with patellar tendonitis but i don't know how much is that how much how advanced is that and what other procedures can people do i think from my experience the most the most is take some time off and just work on strengthening the knee and and getting that patellar the patella back in back in shape i mean uh, martin do you have any other like experience from like how it feels or how the knee sh should should feel when you have this injury <laughs> how the knee should feel <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, so, just so people know just so people at home who are listening to this are like touching their knees now are like do i have this do i have something else like <laughs> yeah that's why know. i ask because yeah. yeah yeah i know i know i know Yeah, so so with pure patella tendonitis, the pain is really going to be localized, like you described it, directly under, so directly in the patella tendon under the kneecap. It's called the inferior pole of the of the patella. So directly underneath it, just one or two fingers below. But if you have other issues that are going on at the same time, for example, if you have inflammation on your in your fat pad under your kneecap or in other tissue uh, problems in other tissues in your knee, then The pain is not going to be localized as much. And uh, maybe you're feeling pain all around the kneecap or not just in the patella tendon directly below the kneecap, but also um, around the tendon. Or, yeah, so really depends on if you're just having patella tendonitis or if you're having something else as well. Yeah, well, hopefully people can can feel this less and less, and with, especially with your help, uh, Martin. Um, what what do you have for, in store for you in in the future? What are you focusing on now? What what are you doing? Uh, let's say in the next year or so. Um, I imagine you're trying to gather as much as possible in, information and 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 keep on building on the, on this, uh, and, and try to help as many people as possible. Yeah, I'm trying trying to reach more people, trying to learn more, trying to get better, and. Uh, Right now, I'm not really decided on how I should continue. I'm thinking about covering every knee injury in uh, in a book that doesn't just talk about patellar tendonitis, but about all the, the knee issues that you could potentially have. And I'm debating with myself whether that would be a reasonable approach or whether it should be better to have individual books on the individual injuries like I did with the patellar tendonitis thing. It's, eventually, I'm going to find a solution to that. But other than that, really, like you said, trying to reach more people and spread the word. Yeah, and, and we'll definitely try to help that, uh, you know, to help you with that. It's uh, uh, it's really a good thing that you're doing. And, uh, you know, there's no other, there's no better 
prove than than when people actually try it and 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 go through through your help go with you know with hand in hand hand in hand with your help and and uh i have done it and i have to say that it definitely helps so uh we'll put a lot of notes in the you know you know when we uh when we post the podcast out on our webpage and uh mm. uh you know people can uh order your book i think it's also available on, on amazon beating patellar tendonitis uh it's uh it's a book that is worth having and uh uh, I'm not gonna lie. I, I passed it around to a couple of friends who, yeah, sure, <laughs> who had similar ahead. problems, and and uh, they all came back with positive feedback. So, I mean, uh, that's why I wrote the book. <laughs> right. I get um, these stories all the time by people uh, through email that write me with their problems. For example, one guy wrote, and that just stuck with me is, I'm, I get horrible knee pain when I put my young baby daughter into her crib, and I was just thinking, wow. Yeah. Nobody should have to go through this. I mean, that's that's horrible. And anything you can do to help these people, even if it's just passing around the book or giving some advice here or writing a short email to give some tips, that's that's cool. Why not do it? That's yeah, that's awesome. And and I like the way you think. I think uh, things are, uh, you know, when when you're open like this and when you share knowledge, I think you receive receive back just as much, if not more. So I think your approach is definitely a, a, a correct one. Uh, fix fix they call dash or slash or fix dash oh just fix knee pain.com simple yeah fix you can find a lot of information beating patellar tendonitis is the book that i definitely recommend martin thank you so much for taking your time this was an awesome conversation i'm sure we helped a lot of people who are are having problems with the with the knee injuries and uh uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see what you're going to do in the future. Hopefully, I'm not going to need any of your books, but if they come out, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to recommend them. So maybe, Andrzej, you're going to need the next ed- edition. Yeah, the book. <laughs> yeah, I've been checking out the site since you told me we're going to do this. So, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm taking notes. I just <laughs> awesome. wish there was like a like something to do for the cartilage, but that's just bone tissue and that's just sucks. Work. Cartilage, cartilage, I think, mm-hmm. is the most difficult thing, if I'm not wrong. Right, Martin? Like cartilage. Are you is talking like about meniscus issues or are you talking about the, the articular cartilage? I think it's the articular cartilage, I guess, because my meniscus is fine. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, for the articular cartilage, you can definitely, um, like I said earlier, ditch the omega 6 fatty acids, take a fish oil supplement. And then, uh, I don't know about your country, but in America, they have this supplement called Move Free, which contains chondroitin, glucosamine, MSM, hyaluronic acid in a reasonable mixture and that really helps a lot of people with our um, cartilage problems with arthritis specifically and i even had one guy that was about to have his total knee replacement surgery he emailed me in december or november and we talked and i gave him these suggestions along with exercises to use and with arthritis it's just move your knee through the full pain-free range of motion without placing load on it. So for example, lie down on your stomach or lie down on your back and flex and extend the knee as long as it's pain-free. Take these supplements. And in January or February, he wrote back to me and said, "Um, I don't know what to tell my surgeon, but I'm pain-free and I don't think I need the surgery anymore. I'm like, dude, that's a great problem to have. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, awesome. Um, Martin, where can people, like I, I said your webpage and I mentioned your book. Is there any on the, on the other way people can reach you? Um, I know Twitter is one of the things you use. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, but I don't check Twitter often. So the best way to reach me is to go to my website and to sign up to one of my free email courses. And then when you get my emails, just respond to my emails and I read and respond to every email that I get. And that's, that's the safest way to get in touch with me. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Martin, thank you so much for your... Yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andrea, what do we what do you have, the ad- admin stuff for the end? Oh, yeah. So the podcast is at the detailspodcast.com website, and we're also in iTunes. So um, if you can rate us there, that'd be awesome, because uh, uh, more people can find the show. And uh, that's pretty pretty much it. Boki, where are you on Twitter? Uh, at Boki Nachbar. You? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm at Atomic XX, and that's pretty much it. Uh, Awesome. Awesome yeah. name for a Twitter feed. Ah, come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just... The good Anyways. ones were taken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my, uh, I'm not going to go into it again because we've discussed that, that Twitter handle so many times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, the, the details podcast.com is where you can check out the, also the previous con- podcast. Uh, Andrzej also mentioned iTunes. 
And uh, thanks everybody for sharing this uh, this podcast and for listening. Uh, Martin, thanks to you so so much. We'll keep in touch and uh, and the best of luck. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.